You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again, Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. We're, you know, back in the saddle here, trying to get geared up for the season. Uh, back with our weekly shows. Uh, make sure to subscribe over on our YouTube channel. Hit the bell. Get notified as soon as the show goes live. Uh, really helps us out over there. Get Gets you the show right away. Um Diving right in, we finally have some hockey to talk about. It's it's been a long summer, and I know we had some rookie games and some scrimmages, and like we had some things we were talking about. But we have games, yes, and it, mostly NHL players. Well, some NHL players <laughs> and NHL officials. We got yeah. big hits. We got fights. We Mark Stone's already mad. It's it's <laughs> the NHL season, baby. Come on. Yes, um, it is, and well, and and it, it's it's further. You know, it further goes along by the fact that yesterday was the first preseason home game. So I was actually back in the building, you know, you know, like, yes, going to training camp is a part of that. Don't get me wrong. So you're there and you're around and things like that. But actually doing a game again, it's, you know, what's what's more fun practice or the game? Come on. Well, the game, the game is the atmosphere like and, and don't get me wrong. Like they had a good crowd the Saturday before at training camp. It was a season ticket holder event day. There was a lot of people there for just the practice, which it was a scrimmage day. So there was two scrimmages. You had some entertaining things going on, all that type of stuff. And, but it's, it doesn't compare to actually watching a 60 minute hockey game with everything, you know, and, 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 and look, it's not all NHL players. Like you said, it's, it's some other guys too. And not everything is perfect. You know, for example, at the well, for example, at Wells Fargo Center last night, the uh, scoreboard went out in the middle of the first period and did not come back until about five minutes left in the period. So we love, you know, that. you're ironing out everything as you go through, you know, everything is being worked out. But it is that that's the point of the preseason. So Absolutely. there you go. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it's nothing it, it, you don't. It's get rehearsal super, for everybody, it is, including, including the arena crew. Right. And, and you don't get super hyped up about like the games itself. This isn't results based at this point. You're really right. just trying to figure out who stands out. Right. If, and if if you are yeah. watching on our YouTube channel, you have our record up on the screen. The fly, the Flyers went one, two, and one in the first four games. But like you said, the record doesn't really matter. It, it really is more about the bright spots and who we've seen pieces of and kind of how things are looking. You, I mean, here's the thing about it too, like. Overall, throughout the course of a season, you care about the team game because that's what wins. And and I'm like, obviously, I'm not talking about like where the Flyers are rebuilding right. wise. But if you're talking contending teams, you care about the, the the sum of the parts, not individuals per se. You want everybody to contribute to get you to where you want to go. The preseason is kind of the opposite. You're you're looking for individual standouts to an extent, and sometimes you're identifying that goes, pieces. And sometimes that goes hand in hand with, hey, I'm playing. The, this young kid who's 20 years old trying to make the team with two guys who are 30 who have been there, done that, and can elevate his game. So sometimes that goes hand in hand. But you really are looking at individuals sometimes, and you're looking at it way more individually than you ever probably would. I mean, look, we track, like where I'm sitting, we see individual mistakes all the time, and we make note of it all the time. But overall, usually the best teams are the ones where we don't point out Look, you can point out maybe this individual took the game over and that's what helped you win. But most of the time it is the sum of the parts. Sure. And and I think you got a good example of where a team is trying to go in that first game that the Flyers played in the preseason against New Jersey. Because that's a team that, A, threw a bunch of starters into the lineup against a team that was basically extending rookie camp to an extent. Right. And, you know, had just gone through a ton of skating. 
all weekend, scrimmages all weekend, and has to take the ice on Monday. And the Devils are going to be a really good team. I know we're going to talk way more about stuff like this next week when we do season preview, but they're going to be a really good team. And when you put their best against basically tryouts, and in a lot of ways that was the case, I mean, think about it. You can even throw a veteran like Sean Couturier played Monday. He hasn't played right. in two years. Right. It's like a tryout again. He's basically like a feeling rookie. it out. <laughs> right. He, it, it's not the same thing as saying, oh, Sean Couturier is in the lineup at like per usual. It's not the same at all. So honestly, honestly, with where Sean Couturier is at in his career arc, he kind of is like a prospect because but he got to prove himself again for sure. When someone yeah. doesn't play for two years, there is a little bit of that. Well, let's let's see. Let's see what oh, we sure. got here. Because when a guy hasn't touched the ice since what was it? December of 2021. So almost two years. Pretty much. It, it's tough to come back, especially when you are 28, 29, 30 during that time frame, right? Exactly. You're not, you're not 23, 24, 25. Yeah. Exactly. So the only downside to a game like that, and, they, and by the way, I'll just, I won't bury the lead here. They lost 6 nothing. Right. The they got pumped. The only downside is the start itself. I don't like, you don't want to get throttled like that in the preseason because that, re- like, it brings the, the regu- mood down. Well, well, in the regular season, what is that? In the regular season, that's a, that's a set a match to the tape. Oh, We're yeah. not watching it game. You've got to have things to take away from preseason games. And you want those games to be right. mildly competitive because the other team is not throwing the full lineup. They can throw a lot of veterans, but they're not throwing their full lineup yet. So you want to see some competitiveness. And basically, to give people an idea, because the game was not televised. It was on a stream, so I watched it. Or had it at least had it on because after a certain point, evaluation was out the window with this game. Yeah. Um, they gave up four goals in the first five minutes and fifty seconds. So it's, it's tough. You know, and it wasn't a great night defensively. It wasn't a great night for Cal Peterson, who got the start and was in net for f- five of the goals actually, but four in that that first period barrage that happened, and then one more in the second. It was just, you know, so it's one where you throw it out. The other three preseason games they played this week, all great, honestly. I mean, there's not much you can look at and say, like, listen, there's stuff that you were able to take away from those games. Yeah, they lost to the Islanders kind of 2 nothing. It was 2-1, really, but they didn't score until there was two minutes left. So let's be real. They were kind of, again, on the road. You're playing more young guys. They're playing more veterans. It kind of you kind of expect the result to not go your way. And to be honest, you got real like you got a bunch of really good things. You got good goaltending. Defensively, they played way better. That's why you only gave up two goals in the game against the Islanders. You know, you struggled to generate offensively. Now there's an element of that that is this is the New York Islanders. What do the New York Islanders do? They trap it down. They just shut everything down. They build the wall, right? It was a lot different when they played in Boston. And there was way more wide open space. There was more opportunity. They scored more goals as a result. They scored three goals in a game. Ultimately, it was a 4-3 win shootout. But they scored three goals. again. And by the way, against Linus Ulmark, who won the Vesna last year. So against the legitimate goaltender you're oh, yeah. playing against. That helps also. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying they're going to light the world on fire offensively this year. Sure. But you got some glimpses of some things. And then same thing with the game on Saturday. They played against the Devils again at home this time. Really good competitive game, and you started off strong, had a great third period that got the game tied. You get it to overtime, and you lose in overtime. But okay, they were you know you were dressing a decent, close you know halfway NHL roster. They were dressing a very close to NHL roster by that point. Like they had a lot of 
a lot of guys in the lineup. And, and, and again, that's why they're going to be a good team because you start to see the guys that are pitching in. It's not, you know, Nico Heischer didn't go out there and have a hat trick in these games, you know what I mean? Or Timo no. Meyer didn't either, you know. It's, hey, depth guy Eric Hall is going to have a big role on this team. And yep. look at Alexander Holtz who's playing – really well and he's a and he's a young pup you know like he's barely you know barely in the nhl at this point and we we said that his draft year that kids got talent and he's showing it right now so they they had that kind of lineup but i feel like you know we we're not going to talk much about the games themselves as much as we're going to get into individuals where the roster sits where the competitions sit because let's put this way let's let's go to the roster for a second because the roster sits at 40 at the moment, but that's not entirely true, number one. And then there's more cuts that quite possibly – like we're recording the show Sunday morning like we tend to usually do. Yeah. Um, it, well, we were going to do Sunday night. It turned out to be an off day from practice for the Flyers on Sunday, so we bumped it to the morning because that's – you know just, We're getting it in before the Birds game. Oh, yes, um. exactly. <laughs> but, but also um, – so the roster got cut down to 40. That could very easily get go lower – on Sunday because Phantoms it's expected can't to go to roughly 35 at some point. Well, roughly too. 35. And then it, again, <laughs> then again, even that's not completely true because technically the 40 roster, 40 man roster has two injured prospects on it. Right. So that they will not move until healthy, basically. Uh, right. So you can really trim it down. And then actually you can really trim it down by another two because currently you're carrying four goalies. Now, there is a chance that they carry three because you've got really unique situations here. Hey, the Cal Peterson situation's weird. No, uh, he's the easiest to figure out. Wow, well, right. He's just on the NHL roster, probably. No, no, no. It's that it's you, not that. He's oh, he's think? got the easy he's got the easiest salary to pass through waivers. It's That's whether it's it's technically I would say let, let's make the we're gonna do the goalie conversation then pretty quickly then. Because Carter Hart, Carter Hart played on Saturday. It was his first preseason game, and he looked really good. He gave up and three he, goals he, ultimately. And he's your but, starter. There's no question right. about he that. He gave up three goals ultimately, but, you know, the first two, nothing he could do. It was, you know, a two-on-one and then a bounce that goes to the front of the net. It was a centering pass that hit a skate, went straight to the slot. There's Holtz, scores. Right. You know, not much he can do. And it's not exactly the sharpest hockey being played. In right. And overtime is overtime. You know yeah. this. So yep. we don't even need to get into that. And they Toss gave – the they looked. They gave out or gave out, gave up a lot of, I mean, a ton of odd man rushes in this game had to be something like seven or eight and fairly early. Like one of them in the first period, they gave up a two on and Hart made the save. Yep. Like, I don't think you need to be worried about his performance. The only question mark you have with him is the big cloud the big, that hangs yeah. overhead, you know, simple as that. And there's still, you know, there's still nothing on it. You can keep holding your breath. You know, It'll come I, w- I wouldn't hold your breath because that might not be good for your health. Um, <laughs> so that's all we got to say on that. You know, again, it'll, it'll come when it say. comes. So yep. so that makes the goaltending thing complicated because, OK, here's the easy solution. The easy solution is that you send Sam Harrison down, whether he's the, be- the best guy in the backup competition or not, because he's waiver exempt. And you keep Felix Sandstrom because he's not waiver exempt and somebody will claim him. Yes. This, is, this happens every year, especially right now. Like, like here's the, here's the easy thing, and this is tapping into a little bit of NHL news here. But Tampa Bay needs a goaltender now. Yeah, yeah Andre Vasilevsky had a back surgery out two months, and is out two months to start the year. And like, let's be and real. I, I heard eight to ten weeks. It's, well, it's it, two it months be, on the light. Oh, side. six, six. Yeah. It was. I saw six to eight, and that was generous. You know, or, okay. or eight, or yeah. even eight. Maybe it was the eight to ten. But even then, okay. like eight to ten is still generous for a back injury. 
Yep. Might, and my, a surgery, no less. It's my keeper goalie in fantasy, so we love to oh, see Oh, I that. hear you. Um, Took a big old hit. But either way, um, so you got a team like that who needs a goalie, and the problem is, is technically, because of that question, the Flyers could need a goalie too. Man. And you don't have anybody else who can play in the minors either. And like like right now, your minor league thing? goalie is Nolan Meyer. You know the craziest thing? Go ahead. If... If we had a resolution about yeah. the Carter Hart Hockey Canada situation, mm-hmm. he'd make a great Tampa Bay Lightning fix. He's um he can play back up to Vasilevsky. He's there if he goes down. His contract's up, so they'll just let him walk. Oh, you're Tra- who, who, to Tampa, who? Tampa. No, who's who's be the backup solution? Car- Carter Hart. You think so? Oh yeah, he's oh, I can't one. see him, I can't see him accepting a backup role. Well, no, 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 no. I'm saying I, I know he would go and start there, obviously, while Vasilevsky right. hurt. Exactly. Like, Carter Hart goes there, plays for the ten weeks, whatever it is. They've been trying to keep workload off Vasilevsky in the regular. Sh- Listen, it doesn't matter because we don't have a resolution on the hockey. Right, Canada, he's not getting traded. It doesn't matter. And no, and I mean, like but, the first name I thought of when that happened, by the way, was if I, like technically, like call him up and and ask about with Felix Sandstrom because. I don't see a long-term future for him. He's also one of these guys with one year left on the contract. I think he, I think he's just gone at the end of the year, to be honest. See, Wait, see the, the problem is, like, and it all comes back to the Carter Hart thing. because Oh, if, sure, and they have no flexibility to make that move. Right, because if, if we know if we know he's gone forever, then you need another goalie. Right. It's just uh, the, the Flyers, as well as several other teams, and obviously it's not the most important part it's, about the right. situation, but several other teams right. are caught it's, between a rock and a hard place. Sure. No. Well, and it's like, look, especially when it's goaltending. Like, look, I don't think, like, again, it's no coincidence they loaded up on goaltending in the draft and are yep. going to probably continue to do so, you know, until they can figure out exactly where this thing goes and get somebody, one of these prospects up in addition, like, you're really rolling with Arison Sandstrom as much as you can. I mean, with, look, with Hart being your starter for the time being, yep. And you know, and obviously being able to play well. You just saw it against New Jersey. He can, of course, he can play. Yeah. I mean, he got thrown right into the fire with that one. You know, oh, yeah. odd man rushes all over the place, breakaways. He didn't give up goals on the breakaways. He gave up a goal on a two-on-one that was, you know, misplayed by Emil Andre. So to speak, it was a rookie kind of mistake. He already, he already had made the bad decision with the puck at the end of a power play that started it and then kind of pulled the Andrew McDonald and just went, you know, double down on just, it. Yeah, just slid right through just double down. and and they outweighed him. Simple as that, you know. Yep. So, you know, but th- that's the goaltending situation is a massive question just because and that, that's a, look, I, that's why I think as long as you're waiting on Carter Hart, I think Sam Harrison's a phantom. And I don't think he necessarily is like belongs there. He's played okay. well enough to be in the NHL. I agree. But you got to take the easy. You kind of have to take the easy way out here, especially yep. if you want to keep any combination of fourteen forwards, eight defensemen. You know, like if you want the option to have the either the extra forward or the extra defenseman, whichever it may be, then you can only have two goalies. Well, Peterson, you can throw right through waivers, and he will clear because no one's taking five million dollars no. in cap. And if they do, Never you happens. thank them and move on with your day. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then Arison's just the easiest to move. So I think he's the one who goes down. I think he gets. I don't want to say the bulk because, you know, you'll if you're playing three and threes over the weekend in the AHL, you can probably split it pretty evenly, two and ones with Arison and Peterson if you have to. Sure. 
but we'll see. We will see. So there's a lot of questions with that. But I, you know, both options are on the table. I just don't think it makes sense to carry three goalies, even if that's how you have to approach it. Just because, and like that, that's why I sit there and I say, then listen, it, it, I don't think he belongs there, but I move Arison to the minors just to get just to get the spot because I think you need the spot, especially if somebody else has earned the spot more okay. so because you're going to play Carter Hart and you have to keep Sandstrom up or you're going to lose him for nothing. Yeah. And you have to do everything around the fact that you don't have an answer for Carter Hart. Simple as that. Yeah. So, but realistically, so, all right, either way, then take the 33 that we got down to with maybe five guys getting cut as soon as today and two more that we know are injured that won't make it and one goalie and you suddenly go from 40 to 32. Now you just need nine. Right. And out of the nine, like, let's let's play this game for a second because let's start with the forward group for a minute. And I'll, I'm going to knock out a bunch of names right now that probably are going to the minors okay. or, or the injured guys. So J.R. Avon's the injured player, by the way, among the forwards. So that's one. Guy. Well, that's oh, not okay. the, that's not. Oh, okay, 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 this yeah, is yeah, the, this is getting yeah, you yeah, to yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. So J.R. Avon's going. Matt Brown is on a tryout. He played well. I mean, because he, he had he had a really nice assist on the game tying goal in Saturday's game. But minor league guy. Doesn't have an NHL contract. We'll probably see what see what he's got. In the uh, words I, of Mark I, Stone, we'll never play against that guy again. <laughs> well, he's not the guy who did anything to Mark Stone, but I get. To I that. know. Um, Adam Brooks. I, I was making a comparison. That oh, was my boy Hayden Hodgson. Come on. Yes, I know. Um, Adam Brooks is probably going down. Brendan Furry. I want to come back to him in a second because he's an, an he's a, a really interesting case. Okay. Um, and then I believe Cooper Marodi is the other forward out of the five. And then defenseman wise, because they already did cut a couple. I think Belpedi Louis Belpedio is the other player okay. because because they've already made cuts elsewhere. And then Matteo Mann is still listed as injured. Okay. Otherwise, he would go back to juniors technically. Okay. Um, so you take two defensemen out of the picture and you go from thirteen to eleven which is exactly where I kind of figured this would be right now, 11 defensemen, and you take the injured forward, which so I think it was five forwards total with the injury. So it was four healthy forwards and an injured forward, which drop your forward total to 18. So now we can start to deduct the nine, right. potentially. Um, I do want to come back to Furry, like I said, for a second, because Furry yeah. played on Saturday. and I mean, so did Brown, I get it, but like Furry's also one of these guys who's on a tryout. But Furry got to play, like, Matt Brown's playing with Samu Tuamala and, for a little while, Cam Atkinson. Right. Um, which, which, it was Cam Atkinson's first game back, so it was also a feeling out process. So you understand sure. it to an extent. Like, they didn't put Brown with, like, hey, this looks like a legitimate NHL line. Right. Furry played alongside Sean Couturier and Travis Konechny for, like, the first two periods. That's a real look. <laughs> Oh, it's a real look, but what we were kind of like wondering, like among because this this started in the morning skate when he skated with him, is kind of why you know because he's not making the team, and Bobby Brink had a really good Friday in Boston, and therefore got another look on Saturday as a result because they wanted him to play in a back to back, and follow and follow up the really good performance because the war like Rocky Thompson was acting as coach for this game. And like for the last two, like like happens in the preseason, and he even said he's got momentum right now, so we want to see how he builds on the momentum, which is a very fair way to look at it. Hey, sure. you had a great game Friday. How do you follow? What it can up? you do with it? Well, because yeah. because I think going in, Brink said he didn't get to, he was told he was playing Saturday after Friday's game. Okay, but but knew going into Saturday morning he was playing. So I'm guessing he was not originally going to play 
Saturday, and then as soon as Friday's game was over, they made the decision. He's fully going. in this. Well, he's fully in this competition. We should throw him into another game. Getting, and that's get, get fair. More look at him. Yep. But Absolutely. that's where. But that's where it kind of comes down to furry for a second. Because think about something for a minute. You take out some of the obvious guys who are making the team. Right. But you had Brink got an, Brink got another game. Um. Old Ula Lixel was in the lineup for this game, and he was in a competition. Tanner Lazinski's in the lineup. He's in a competition. Wade Allison's in the lineup. He's in a competition. And Tyson Forrester was not. And and that's not to say that that means he's out of the race. It's not sure. that at all. It's There's just only so many spots, even in the preseason. That's a, it's, it's, that's a spot to play him, though. Yep. And not worry about a guy who's on a PTL. That's fair. You know, like... You put the kid in who has a legitimate shot to make your roster and play him and play him alongside, you know, Forrester, we had said, was skating with um, with Scott Lawton and um, oh, who was the other guy he was skating with? I just had it in my head, too. Uh, Noah Cates. Okay. Now, they both weren't playing in this game, which is so, yes, technically the whole line got the night off, if you will. But you could have still, if you wanted to, thrown Forrester in and said – you know, play on the right side and Konechny will play on the left side. Someone's going to play on their offside, obviously, in that situation. But put Konechny on his left side, potentially, or something. And play with Konechny, Couturier, and you have Forrester there. That would make a lot of sense. Fair enough. You could have thrown him in with just about any other combination you can think of. You could have put Forrester somewhere with Cam Atkinson on, in this situation. You could, you know, you could do a lot of things with this. I just don't get the point of why... He sat out, and you played two guys on PTOs, you know, to fill this thing out. Everybody Fair. else who played makes sense. Tuamala's had an impressive camp. You want to get another really look at him? He's you want to get another look at him? Yeah. That's fine. Um, Lazinski and Allison battling for spots. They need to play. Brink needed to play. If you want to see Brink again, I totally get it. Furry's like the guy who comes out because you want to see Brink again. Right. Not... You That's know, fair. hey, I need to play this guy on a PTO. That's the that was the only thing about it. I mean, even to an extent, like Rhett Gardner played. Does Rhett Gardner really need to be playing? Like, it feels like now he scored a goal, which is impressive. Like, it kind of puts you back on the radar a little bit. I still think he's probably minors bound, but nonetheless, you know, so. That's where you're deducting some of these other names. Like we said, like those are two guys who I think are part of the five that go down to Phantoms camp. So. Out of that group, now that we kind of deducted the forward group down to 18, that's where the question gets interesting because then that means how many more cuts do you have, four or five? I can yeah. think of I can think of two guys who – or three guys then because I didn't say Gardner the first time. So I think Rhett Gardner's one. Okay. And I can think of two other guys who I think haven't done enough, I'll call it. And that's – it's not a knock. It doesn't mean that they couldn't be up during the course of the year, but I don't think they've done enough. They haven't stood out enough. I don't think Lixell or Lazinski make it. Okay. And I think that's three right there. So you take Gardner, Lazinski, and Lixell, and they're three right there. And, and then I think, think two – pretty close to your roster. Well, so that's three. So that takes you from 18 to 15. Tuamal is probably another one because he's, he's had a really strong camp. I think he – is much higher on the radar when you look at the Phantoms roster than he would have been coming into camp. Oh yeah, much much higher. And oh, that's a real and that's really good news. Six minutes there, and that's and that's really good news by the way because let's let's not forget this kid was forgotten. Oh yeah, did we even I, did we even mention his name over the course of the last year because he was playing overseas. It wasn't quite you know, 
It, there was a whole mess of things going on. He was completely off the radar, and he was the team's highest pick in the 2021 draft. Yep, and and this is the kind of thing we're talking about with getting players developed, right? You know, sure. he has a good camp. Eyes get on him. He's probably going to go get way more ice time in Lehigh Valley than he was going to get, you know, coming into this season. Mm-hmm. That This is the kind of camp that a player can have that can take their development to the next level. Sure. So that's four guys. So if you want to carry 14 forwards, you're essentially done. And you can yeah. say Wade Allison made the team. Bobby Brink made the team. And Tyson Forrester made the team. I got to tell you, man, Bobby Brink making the team is so exciting to me. Like, I if, really well, think this kid. I don't know be... that he has definitively made it yet. He's making it if. hard. I know. And right. he's making it hard for them. And believe it or not, like, at this point in time, like, I think all along they viewed Tyson Forrester as a roster player already. And, like, again, he hasn't necessarily, like, he, like, he did play on Friday and ha- and started the play on the power play. That got them a goal. He he had the first pass, so he got the secondary. But it was a nice, you know, it was a nice seam pass across the zone to get it to Brink, and then Brink went right back again. So it was a very you know very tic tac toe kind of play. Ryan Paling scored the goal at, at net front, which by the way, like it's funny that Paling's playing net front on the power play there because it's just another twenty five standing in front of the net. Not, you we know, love that. The more the more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> um, but 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 in all like. Even though Forster hasn't scored a goal, and even though he hasn't had like that takeover game as a young player, I don't think he necessarily needs to. Like in a sense, I don't think they think he needs to. I think that they view what he's able to do, and just want to see him at this level. And look, you can keep him as like if you want to keep fourteen forwards to start the start the season, and he goes through the first nine ten games and doesn't, you know, doesn't perform like you think he should, right. then send him down. Sure. There's no, that's you don't have to do anything. Right. You know, and you can call up one of the other defensemen if you want a defenseman to look at at that point or something. But, but this is where this gets interesting because yes, you've got those three guys. I think that are really fighting for the spots or spot. Cause it could be 13. Let's be real. Um, cause then, then after that, you're only keeping two. Like if you're keeping that 13 forward, yeah. then, then somebody's got to go. And it, you know, it, and it's really hard because Brink had the really impressive game on Friday kind of kept it up because he assisted on the first goal, which happened to be Wade Allison, who is also in this conversation. You mean to tell me that Bobby or Brink had a good game in Boston? I know. It's funny. Wow. It's crazy how that works. I don't know what I liked better. I mean, the shot that he had on the goal itself was great, but the shootout goal was nasty. Oh, yeah. I mean... Didn't even, you know. I don't know, man. Backhand roof, backhand roof is just for some. Just you know, you got to remember something too. For dirty. somebody who, for somebody who, because of what he went through the previous offseason and the injury he had, didn't get to play a lot, or certainly didn't get to play much in terms of like being a, you know, being a forward who didn't like didn't he wasn't on the radar to come up at any point right. once he got to the Phantoms. Right. I mean, like there was talk that maybe that would happen, but he really needed games straight up. And he so he just needed time Phantoms. on the ice. Yeah. When you get to January, February of the NHL season and the AHL season, you're probably paying a little less attention to the AHL unless there's a guy really banging the door down at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you have and, management's and, attention for the first 15 well, or 20 games, and then you kind and, of fade into well, and, the, you're the minor league team. And to be fair, there was somebody that we were paying attention to in the minor leagues who was banging the door down. It was Forster, though. Yep. You know, so Forster eventually came up in March and played, and that was the guy we were paying attention to. 
not Brink, who had just come back from injury and was still and kind of was finding still his recovering, way. right? Right, who was still finding his way. So to actually see him, like, like you forget the skill level that he does possess because this, you know skill. he was this kind of player in college. He could put up points. So you got to wait and see how it de- how it fully develops. But he's on the radar again, which Some, is a big deal. Something that we've talked about through most of the last year or so is kind of guys that we have pinned to still be in the organization when the rebuild is complete. Right. Bobby Brink, for me at least, is pinned there. Now, obviously, that's not to say he can't be moved in anything. I'm not, you know, anybody can be moved at the right time for the right piece. But he is a young guy coming up that I do think has the skill level to earn a spot on the the team that Danny Briere is assembling for, you know, 2026 or whatever it is. Like, right, but it's a big it, – It's to your point, it's a big yeah. difference when you sit back and you look and go, okay, even though he had the injury, even though he kind of fell behind a little bit in terms of development because of it, he's 22. And you look at a guy – like, we talk about – we're definitely talking about guys like that in that respect. You look at a guy well, like Morgan Frost who's 24 and you have a different conversation because two years down the line when you're 26 – not how much is really going to have changed so far, right? You're still going to be answering questions. I mean, that's that's why it's a massive camp for a, for a guy like Wade Allison because Wade Allison is is even more than that. You know, Wade Allison is going to be literally the sec the day of the second game of the season. He turns twenty six. Yep. That's you know now you're probably on your last leg. Uh, Tanner Lazinski's in the same boat. Lazinski's already twenty six. Like right, and you're and running out of time. And for Brink, it's even a little bit different because he has all that college. Like, I, he wasn't sure. playing all these games that all these kids coming through juniors and then kind of jumping straight into the the AHL or the NHL kind of have. Like, he was right. playing forty games a year in college. Theoretically, he's even got a little bit less mileage on him, uh, and will hold up a little bit better. Obviously, injury. It's really aside. interesting. It, it is really interesting anymore to go back and look at the roster. Just and I'm just looking at the forwards at this point. I'm not even looking at defensemen. And I don't even think I get through the first, like, seven, eight names that are left on the thing and come away with more than, like, one or two guys that didn't play college. It's crazy. Like, like, and this is just, it's just alphabetical order, but I'm going through. I'm going, Wade Allison did. Cam Atkinson did. Bobby Brink did. Matt Brown on the tryout was a college guy. He went to BU. Noah Cates did. Joel Farabee did. You know, Tanner Lazinski did. Uh, I believe Paling was a college guy, too. Too, well, if I'm not saying he was, he was US spent, Chuck Fletcher spent four years getting everyone who had ever gone to Boston College on the on the roster. So oh, I'm I know. not and really like I, surprised. No, and like I said, that wasn't even defensemen because defensemen, you know, Adder did. Yep. You know, like Ronnie Adder did. You know, Cam York did. Yep. Like they got a lot of guys who played college hockey. I tell you, it was it was that four years of the Johnny Gaudreau tampering committee that. We ended up not offering him a contract, but whatever. Yeah, you know, that's and, a whole different you know, thing. Well, no, you know, and then you got, you know, and then you got the goalies, of which none of them did. No. No, the go- the goalies got a different crash course though, because well, half of them came from Europe, right? Well, that's the point. So they played professional yeah. in Sweden. Absolutely. That's kind of a that's kind of a crash course on being a professional too, so to speak. Sure, so, absolutely. So anyway, let's get back to the forwards. We're about to sh- or be about to shift gears to uh, defensemen because yeah. We've kind of figured that this out at this point. 13, 14, there's three guys kind of competing for what we think are, well, either two to three spots kind of in a way. Or not three guys competing because if if you're going to put a second extra spot there, then I, I assume that Lazinski's in the battle still and Lixell's in the battle still. 
you know, and that's where like that's where that goes. But otherwise, like like think about something for a minute. And this is kind of not telling, but like it fits the mold of like what they're looking to see. If you didn't overly impress in your preseason games or whatnot, Elliot Daniel already got cut. There's still two preseason games left. So that tells you how far off the radar he is this year, even compared to last year when he got, a, I think, a much longer look. Uh, yeah, he was uh, he was in camp for a while last year. He was one of the later cuts, right? He, not only that, but like even this year, he was talked about as one of the last guys. Yeah. Potentially like a guy who might if, make the if team. We, if we talked young players, Forster was obviously the headliner among the forwards. Yeah, he, he, he's the, the one guys. who had the breakout phantom season. Right. Well, and then, and then had an eight game sample in the <sighs> NHL that really put you on the radar, too. Absolutely. He, he didn't look out of place. Right. That's that's the thing. Like, Daniel Ye played four games in the NHL last year. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't like do he anything. Lo- he looked like, like a kid like, trying to find good, his feet. You, right. You look right. You looked all right. But like, you're not impact player level yet. Um, So you had him. And then I'm trying to figure out there's one other guy who like. Or not one other guy, but it was like between like I kept coming back to it's Forrester, Denoyer, and really like and Brink kind of were the guys who we were talking about among Phantoms guys who were going to really get a long look. And I think going in, I would have had Denoyer above Brink, and obviously Brink has passed him, and with, with oh, yeah. good reason. He's had better games. Yeah, and Bobby Brink, I I will I will admit I haven't seen a ton of the preseason. Um, the first two games were pretty hard to watch. Uh, the Friday night game, I, there's only been one game on ESPN plus so far and I caught most mm-hmm. of that one. I definitely didn't illegally stream some of the Boston game, but I saw some of that one. <laughs> um, and from what I saw, Bobby Brink has looked really good. And I, from what I saw on Friday night, he absolutely earned his place in the lineup on Saturday. Sure. I, he, I'm not going to sit here and say he's an NHL player. Cause you know, we, we let off this show by talking about the fact that it's the preseason and like. Right. We're playing against 30% NHL, you know, talent for the most part. Um, but from what I have seen of him, he looks comfortable. Sure. He looks, he looks like he has the talent to get there at some point and stay there for a very long time. Right. Well, and, and what you have to consider, and I'll start this conversation with the forwards and then we'll shift it to defensemen because yeah. conversation has to be had with both positions. Let's be real. There's this because there's this conversation, especially as a rebuilding team and especially as such a publicly rebuilding team now, that sometimes what gets kind of misconstrued in the definition of rebuilding team is that it just means just play the kids all the time. Uh, right. And you can't do that. Not not saying that you well, sure you could if you really wanted to. If, if you were a roster entirely built of kids, then sure. But if you have other veteran players and you're trying to find out what not only what works, but you got to be real about something with some of these players, you know, with let, let's let's start from the bottom up, if you will, for a second, because whether it's 13 or 14 forwards, it doesn't make a difference. You want to start somewhere from the bottom up here. Your fourth line has consistently been Nick Delorier, Ryan Paling, Garnet Hathaway. And let me tell you something about the last two names I mentioned, because they're both new to the roster, by the way. They actually give you a modestly formidable fourth line. Like, it's a far cry from some of the other guys because Paling's fast. He's got oh, a ton yeah. of speed. He's I been charted he, as. I believe he was the fastest clock skater in the NHL right. last He's year. He's charted correct? as one of the fastest in the league, if not the fastest. I don't know, like, where the rankings I think he exactly had, are. He, it, it's, I think he had the single fastest instance 
Um, obviously, yeah. Connor McDavid is litters the top of that list, but I think he, sure. I think this, um, he's in the category. Ryan Paling peaked the highest, right. but yeah, but he's in the category, and he had like he had a moment. I think it was because he didn't play on Saturday, so it was in in Boston. He chased down a defenseman and got around him, and it was like okay, that that's something that I, like I noticed that you know for sure. Like I noticed you playing that level, there. And, right. and 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 Garnet Hathaway is Garnet Hathaway, like. <laughs> You know what you're getting. Like, you know exactly. He's like, snarly. He'd fit in on the '70s Flyers. He'd fit in on the '90s Flyers. He'd fit in on the 2000s Flyers. It makes sense that he fits flyers. in on the 2023 Philadelphia and, and Flyers. He's been a great. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I mentioned this last week when we because we talked to him on I think Saturday before the Saturday before. He's just a great interview. Like he is such a good interview and really knows his place and knows his role and is Ex- embracing the fact and accepting and it's a new, veteran leadership well, really well, well and it's a new role for yeah. him because he's never really had to be the leader but you know he, or we've one talked of the about this before he's had some pretty good examples oh yeah so <laughs> a bunch of the guys who were on the other side of the ice on friday night you know right. he was looking across at some of them um well, I mean, bet- between Washington and Boston, there's oh, the I know. Best the, the, you just the mentioned league. the captains, and that's all you yeah, need to stop you're done the here. captains. Yeah, seriously. But either way, um, so that's your fourth line to this point. So that's three guys right away. Plus, and then he's basically st- he was basically Tom Wilson's apprentice for the first four <laughs> years of his career. Like, come sure. On. <laughs> and then you then you start to build the rest of the forward group, and let's do the definites, if you will, like. And I want to keep Atkinson out of this for a second as I go out like down the alphabetical list, like because yes, they need like they're going to play. We know this, but we know what they're coming back from. So you, as you go through it, you go Cates, Faraby, Morgan Frost, Travis Konechny, Scott Lawton, Owen Tippett. That's five more guys on top of the fourth line I gave you. So now you're at eight, and that doesn't include Couturier and Atkinson. So what happens again? The same competition that you're having it feels like it's for ro- like more than just roster spots it's for lineup spots to an oh, absolutely and you the key is you have to have that hard conversation about kind of who comes out and the problem is is you ha- you have to play couturier to see if he has the ability to get back to what he used to be you have to play cam atkinson not because he's part of the future but because do you want to trade this guy this year off season next year well he's got to play to prove he can play right well and that's what i was gonna say is that uh as we move into or move into as we live in a cap crunch cost conscious world of the nhl right veterans can be some of your biggest trade pieces because they sure. they represent cost certainty so like i don't think they're going to but if the flyers were willing to they could Eat half of Rasmus Ristolainen in salary. Now it's four more years, and that's why I don't think they're going to do it. Don't get me wrong. Right. But they could, if they wanted to, eat half his salary, and you can probably get a pretty good return for Rasmus Ristolainen at two and a half, two point six million dollars. Oh sure. Because you have four years left of it. Sure. Like you can probably get a really, really, really nice return for Rasmus well, Ristolainen with that sort of cost certainty. Sure. Well, that's why the conversation comes into play, and like put it more on the short term here. Like Atkinson's got two years left on his contract. That's why this is a worthy conversation. Very tradable. Now you can't trade him now because he hadn't played in a year. So you, nobody's taking a guy who they're sitting here going, we got to figure out what he is. 10 games in 20 games in, but you get trade deadline. I think you got to get half a season in 
And, okay. At, so pro- probably minimum. looking at the trade deadline. Right. At happen. minimum. And then okay. maybe at the trade deadline or something, maybe teams aren't willing to go there yet because it's still the cap crunch world that it is. And and you have yeah, to Yeah, but them. if you eat half of it for a year and a half, you can get a lot. You can get a the lot. The problem is don't forget they're already retaining on Hayes. That's so fair. so you you I don't know if you want to do that with This is the last year on that though, right? What on Hayes? No, 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 no. You're right. You're oh. right. You're right. I'm sorry. No, there's like, more time. Hayes on that. is three yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. They, that's that's the complication. That's fair. Like, like that's why I'm thinking. Look, if you want to retain on Atkinson, go. I don't think you need to retain on Atkinson going forward. I think Atkinson at five point eight million dollars or something in that range. If someone's out there looking at the free agent market and saying I could sign the guy who is going to want eight million dollars to do that, or I can take a one year flyer on this guy. I'm yeah. sure you can find a partner. You know, I just, I just look at maximizing your assets because, like, what's going to return better: retaining half of Cam Atkinson or retaining half of Nick Sealer? But they won't. They won't even need to retain it, half of Nick Sealer. But, but you know I what I mean. Like yeah. one of the, one of these guys who's on a, an expiring deal at well, one point two million or whatever. Well, like, no, but well, I, oh, I know, and well, and those guys expect them to be moved is kind of the point. Well, right? Sure, like, sure. But I'm just talking about if you're going to use one of your retention spots, using it on Atkinson is a good way to. Now, crank me, the value because to, you're doing a lot. Well, and th- this is why, to me, the next name on the list, at least among the forward group, that really is going to become a talking point, and he's already been a talking point, but he's going to be again next season, next off season for sure. You got to have that conversation about Scott Lawton. Oh, that's not even the name I thought you were going to say. No, but Scott, you got to have that conversation yeah. because it's a low cost contract. He'll have two years at, after this season. He'll have two years left at three million dollars. And, and you tell me with the cap going up. Mm. With the cap going up, you tell me what team can't afford a player like that and give you what you hope you want. Like, and what, it's clear they're not parting with them for anything less than like, hey, give us a first. Well, what playoff teams are not drooling for Scott Lawton on their third line? Oh, I hear you. Drooling. He is built for think? the playoffs. So now I'm curious. Who do you think I was going to say? In terms of uh, trade assets who have yes. been a topic for about a year and will continue to be heading into this year? As forwards? Yes. Okay, Travis Konechny? Well, Konechny falls into that category, too. Man. But Konechny, the difference between Konechny and Lawton is... Is, is the price. Is the well, fact that Lawton's not, making three for three more years? It, it's not, actually. It's, okay. It's the, it's the age. Oh, okay. because Because where Lawton is in his career versus where Konechny is, Konechny barely fits the cat. It's not that he barely fits. There's a difference between Travis Konechny is 26 and Wade Allison's about to be 26 or Tanner Lazinski's 26. Right. The difference is I don't know where Allison and Lazinski completely fit on this roster. I know where Konechny fits. And oh. I know Konechny can be, on one hand, Konechny can be a cornerstone player for you. On the other, he can be a trade asset that gets you another first-round pick. Well, and and kind of looking into that crystal ball uh, into the future here, Travis Konechny will be 28 when his contract is up. And presumably expects to sign a big money long-ish term right, long-term deal. stay wherever you're going to stay kind right. of deal yes um now, th- th- and on the th- other hand scott lawton will be 32 when his contract is up and is probably looking at a two or three year on your way out type of deal right well and, they're, and the they're they're different players they're di- not and not only are they different players but when you take a player like konechny and do exactly what you just did which is Two more years on the contract, you know, look into the crystal bar, ball and where do you want to be in two years? Well, he in two wants years, to be signing for 10 million per. Well, not even I'm not talking about it as the individual now. I'm, I'm looking at the team and I'm sitting okay. there going, well, in two years time, Cutter Gauthier is on the roster. Yep. 
And there's a decent chance that depending on who else has moved out or whatever else goes on, you know, because like Cam Atkinson won't be in two years on the roster. Oh, no. I think next offseason, so, by the way. So Bobby Brink and Tyson Forster and whoever else below, you know, like you're opening the door for a lot of potential prospects to then make the team. Right. By the way, buckle up because I think next offseason is going to be bloody. I think everyone's gone. Uh, and not um, every not everyone, of course, but I I right. think next summer will be when Danny Briere starts to really go. Okay, let's take a look here. I've had this team for a year. This is my off season for real this time. Mm-hmm. Let's start putting my team in place. Let's start putting my guys in place who are going to play with Matt Vemichkov. Well, one of the goals that remains the same to me with this offseason, and this is why Konechny and Lawton are such big parts of this, is because they already have two first-round picks. And I think – and and Danny didn't have to do a thing to do that. Right. The, the actual like the, the credit, credit where it's due, Chuck Fletcher got you the second first-round pick you're going to have in 24. Yeah. Danny Briere did a great job in 23 to get you back into the first round because was, he made a move to get Giroux, you back right? in. Drew got them the 24, Drew, yes. Okay, but, and that's a top 10 protected, right? And just in case the Florida Panthers it's top fall off top 10 protected, but it's top 10 protected. But if the Panthers, like, barely miss the playoffs. They could miss the playoffs. Like, 14, like, finish 14th, you could be looking at, like, 5th and 14th potentially this year. Yeah, no, of course. Um, of, which, of which you probably take the same approach as last year, which is you get another impact forward and you try to get a high-profile defenseman. Yeah. Yeah, That's absolutely. probably the direction you go. But back to try. Well, and this is my point, though. You you could even further take it, a, you know, take it another step further because Danny Briere did the work this offseason with the Ivan Provorov trade. Found your way back into the first round. The reason, if if you're hopeful about Oliver Bonk's future, the whole reason you're hopeful about that is because Danny Briere went out and did the work and traded a, a defenseman yep. who he determined was not going to be part of the long term future of the team and yep. got what you needed. Another yep. first. And I expect to see a lot out of him this year. And out of Danny Briere. Oh, sure. Uh, well, I, to, to be honest with you, I didn't. You, you could have answered that question three different ways about who you would see a lot out of. It could have been <laughs> D- Ivan Danny Brover. Briere. It could have been Ivan Prover. It could have been Oliver Bonk. I'm sure a lot of people. I mean, let's put it this way. Did anybody catch? Um, I don't remember who retweeted. It might have been Bill Meltzer. I don't remember completely, though. Um, but Denver Barkey had a nice assist for the London Knights last night. So there you go. Say, did, the, did the London Knights have a streaming service? Uh, the CHL does actually. Yes, <laughs> seriously, the CHL no, actually does. And I know. Which, by the way, I think that's relatively new. It's like one or two years old at this point. Of which, it's about freaking time. Like, Man. people love. Like, people will eat that stuff up, especially if you're a team like where the Flyers are, and you kind of want to keep tabs on the prospects. I mean, people people are making it like a big deal. Like, if you see, uh, well, you're not really you're not on no twi- Twitter X good old, good old X. The, yeah. arm, the artist um, formerly known as Twitter. Yes. Thank yes. you for that. Um, yes. But the way because you can watch KHL games, too, I, I believe that there's a there's a service called Flow Hockey that it used to be Hockey TV. I think they get all those games. People are making it like a holiday when this kid plays a game. When when Sochi has a game in the KHL, Twitter oh. goes nuts. Well, I think. I think Twitter kind of uh, had some fun with the he's not playing story, and now kind of all the eyes, all, all the eyes are on him. And- well, I agree with I do agree with that, but it's funny to me like how that's like 
we said it too. We said like that's going to be the highlight of the year is watching where they go and what happens. So I'm genuinely like interested in all of that and type of stuff. By the way, seven points in seven games. Yes, I know. And three goals too, I believe, right? Yes. Is it three goals? Three goals, four assists, seven points, seven games. Because he just scored one the other day on a rebound that was really, you know, your, good, good go to that play. I mean, I'm still, look, I still love the one that he scored that won the game a few days back where it was just a toe drag back to the middle. Snipe. You know, I spent all last year doing Connor Bedard watch. Maybe I'll spend the next three years doing Mitch Kov watch. <laughs> it'll be, you know what? It'll be, it'll be better knowing. Because we already got the guy. Right. It'll be better knowing he's in the system. You know, you were, doing, you were doing Bedard watch, not knowing where they were going to pick. And then they didn't pick anywhere close to where Bedard <sighs> was going. And you know that. So, uh, yep. Thanks, the, Chuck. The, the, the diff. No, the, well, you can say thanks all you want to. The difference is that, no, that the whole Mitchkov thing worked out in their favor. And they oh, got no. a guy who would have gone where you wanted them to be. And they got I, him at seven. I love Matt Vay Mitchkov, but that doesn't mean I don't hate Chuck Fletcher for trying to win last year. Um,. Was he the guy who really tried to win, though? Okay, I mean, he's listen, the one who told I know he's the puppet. Win. I know. No, 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 no. It's not, that's not where I was going with that. You know the reason they finished seventh. It's the same reason why they're not guaranteed to finish first this year. I know. It's the goalie's fault. No, it's not. It's the coaches. Well, I mean, that's it's, fair. I will give John the goalie some credit. and the anti-tanking committee. You know, I mean, I'm not I, saying that they were going to tank, but, like, well, that is fair. The, the good news is, the good news is, and I'm seeing this. Okay. Like I saw Who hired John Tortorella? Yeah, it's true. Well, okay. Done. Um, Thank well, you. <laughs> it's still Chuck's fault. <laughs> why would you? Okay. Why would you hire a win now coach? Hi. I'm just. Hello. No, I hear you. I'm just. If you know, if you're watching the YouTube channel and you can see my face, <laughs> you know my thoughts on this answer. And right. I, and my answer. We spent two years talking not, about it. My, you know, my answer is by by the way. Okay, speaking of which, since we're on this, before we go to yeah, before yeah. we actually go to defensemen, because we really need to get to the defensemen. It was a trip to look down at the management box last night. Okay, just just because to look down. Well, first of all, by the way, John Tortorella wasn't coaching the games; he's watching from upstairs. So he's up there to begin which with, which he's done before. Yeah, yeah, which is but that's not normal. Like yeah. it's not, not you know ninety percent of the games he's going to do from down there, including yeah. I, I believe he's doing Monday and, and Thursday from okay. bench because he it's usually the minor league staff gets the first two and assistant gets the second two and then well he, gets he, the last he, needs, two in the preseason. he needs he needs to warm up too. He's got to figure out how to start yelling at officials. You mean coming <laughs> down from a scrimmage and talking to the team wasn't warming up enough? You know, he's not even on the bench coaching him. He literally stops a scrimmage to come down and give him an earful. Turns That's out John doesn't need help talking. Yes. Um, so, but to look down and, and Danny Breer is not a, like a weird person to see up there. He was already up there last year for a right. chunk of it. It's just, he's now clearly like in a new role formally at this point, but man, it's a trip to see Keith Jones in the management box. That's gotta be weird. Like you're used to seeing him milling around the press box, but not, not with management. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And just it's it's just weird for him to not be there to like do whatever it was. It was like as not weird as it is to hear Brian Boucher on a TV call. It was weird not to hear like to hear or not to hear Keith Jones on it. It's, it, you know, as it's the gonna first be, voice, it's going to be weird one day when you like get up in the middle of a an intermission or something like that. And you see just JJ and Jonesy just chit chatting with, you know, by the peanut m and Um. <laughs> I don't know how much chit chat there really is going on. They kind of like they have a lot to do during intermission. You'd be surprised, actually. That's fair. Um, that's fair. 
no and, and and in addition by the way like speaking of which in that general area where kind of people pass through or whatever in addition to those guys two more faces that you recognize immediately and you're like oh yeah they're going to be here a lot too because john leclerc and patrick sharp were there last night as well love that so like just to in general, they actually uh, like John Leclaire was walking out last night with um when we went downstairs for post game. He was walking out with Nick Schultz. Nice. So John Leclaire, the original Johnny Hockey. Prove me wrong. <laughs> I mean, he went to college too. So yeah, there you go. You know, your old University of Vermont. Um, all right. Let's talk anyway, about these but any but anyway, <laughs> it, it is a trip though to see that type of thing. River. By the by the way, the the post game experience. I don't know if you saw the videos on YouTube. The uh, the interview clips at all a um, little bit okay did you catch how the setup kind of looked not really in no. the post game okay because <laughs> as i'm sure you are aware the wells fargo center has undergone a lot of changes over the years yes. the last handful of years well this off season's big change was they were basically gutting the event level floor which is okay. essentially essentially to say back of house if you will so locker yeah. rooms all the utilities that players have media room you name it right yeah, uh, the locker room's not done yet. Okay, it's the preseason. So, it's the preseason. It's fine. Uh, I know, the, and the expectation <laughs> is that the, the, the anticipation is that it will be by the time. I wonder if that's why the Flyers started on the road in the preseason to try to, try to give them a know. little bit more time. It's possible. Well, they didn't use it. Apparently, they didn't well, use it last night. And for God's sake, there was um. Uh, there do were, you do you there mean to tell me that? Con- the, uh, do you mean to tell me that construction and labor may have gotten delayed? That never happens ever anywhere sure. ever. Well, I mean, like, how's ninety five doing? <laughs> for real, for, but like, I mean, for goodness sake, there were speed bikes, it, like exercise bikes, in the hallway, and like players were like, I, I, I don't even think it was players for the Flyers. I think it was a Devils player even that came through and was using one after the game. That is so like funny because that because because I don't think they even have that like that amenity like, set up. Right, they don't have like a training room done oh. yet. So we were, by the way, standing at the very entrance near where the Zamboni tunnel is. Literally, you don't even make it down the hallway to get to the like the, the locker room and the press room and all that stuff like that, right? Right. And they had the – so it's very much the road game setup where they have the backdrop set up. Okay. And they just brought people in. Huh. And and up, like five players and the coach – or and the assistant coach acting as head coach. Wow, fair But enough. still. But like – Six people. So you're standing there for 15, 20 minutes, just right in the doorway as they are wheel as you know, as they're trying to wheel the bags out the door for the devils to get on the bus and you know, all that type of stuff. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, that is funny. It's pretty well, it's, it's a little rinky dink backstage these days. Yeah, okay. And and it's gonna be like that for the next week at least. So, you know, you got two more preseason games like that, and then and then they're starting the season on the road too, which maybe is by design as well, as you yeah, mentioned. Right. You know, all right, defensemen. Defense competitions, defensemen. So the, um, the locked spots, let's just knock that out of the way. Well, Travis, the, tra- Travis Sandheim's making the roster. Yep. Rasmus Ristolainen's making the roster. Yep. Cam York's making the roster. Yep. Mark Stahl, Nick Sealer, probably making the roster. Oh, definitely. Okay. I think that's the end of the definites list. No. Is that fair to say? It is. I, Sean Walker's an interesting case. I think he's probably, I'd say he's in just yeah, because. But, but I think like, it's more of a pencil. With sure. Sean, with um, Sean Walker. Well, here, think about something for a second, okay? Ristolainen, Sanheim, Steelers, Stahl, Walker, York. 
just those six. Consider them, not that I'm saying that's the way it's going to be fully, but consider them your top six at the moment. Just because they're like the guys who I feel like are locked in for sure. Igor Samula is one of the most interesting candidates on this thing because he's not waiver exempt anymore. Right. Now, something that's very interesting about him is is that Zamula put on 20 pounds of muscle okay. in the offseason, so he looks bigger. He's playing a little bit more physical, which helps. I think that and – if, and if you're going to keep him and not put him through waivers and take the chance, then you have to play him. I agree. You, he can't be one of these guys who sits on the bench and sit, or sits in the press box and is figuring it out. So you have him. And then you have this – I'm considering it a trio because, like we said, Mateo Mann's a junior player who's just injured. He'll go down. And Belpedio's probably going to, to be sent down. You've got Victor Mete on this list, who I think is probably on the outside looking in at this point just because. Right. Um, and then I think you have a three-team or three-player battle between Emil Andre, Ronnie Adderd, and Adam Jenning. And Adderd is probably the lowest of the three. I think Andre is – currently in the lead jenning okay. is also there jenning hasn't had anything flashy about his game at all right and that's typically what he is the less i notice him the better which is good and he's been very good in that regard i haven't noticed him as much um yeah i, I don't uh, necessarily know if he's all the way there but i think his ceiling is like a brett pesci type. well that's that's not a bad comparison um, the kind of guy you don't really notice but he's incredibly good defensively Pesci's got a little. I know, this, I know. No, 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 and no, no, no. And this is this is years of development potentially. Pesci's got a little bit more offensive upside there. It took some time. But if Jinning can ever get there, Jinning is self-admitted, you know, not an offensive guy though. He sure. knows it. So, um, and I think twenty-three-year-old Brett Pesci would have told you the same thing. Sure, and <laughs> you know, but Andre's probably the leader of that group. The key is, and again, this goes back to kind of the forward conversation too, because a, it depends on how many forwards you want to carry. Do you want to carry thirteen or fourteen? Which would change the answer of how many defensemen you want to carry. Because realistically speaking, you're already carrying seven defensemen. Well, and that's if you're not carrying three goal. There's a lot going on with this roster. <laughs> that, well, that's a very fair point too, because what if you do have to carry three right. goals? Great point. <laughs> The biggest thing about, like, look, Emil Andre may be ready to play in the NHL. He may be. He may be, you know, he's got, he's got, he has some moments. There's going to be a lot of give and take. If they feel he's ready, they feel he's ready. He's definitely close. He's definitely making his NHL debut at some point this season. Yes. Based on everything I've seen, he'll be up at some point. Whether it's the start of the season or not, I don't know. It's very close. And one of the big keys with him is. Um, one of the big keys with him is trying to figure out how you get everybody involved when you have three veteran guys who you kind of aren't obligated to play, but you also are going to feel compelled to play because they're NHL players. Like, like if you can separate the easy thing to do right now is if you can separate through a, through a rotation of three guys for literally one spot that doesn't play. Right. Then you can easily put Zamula in with York, not Absolutely. next to him, not next to him. Obviously. Like I'm not saying like that, but into the lineup. But you're gonna play Sandheimer's the line in every night. You're gonna try like you should play York and Zamula every night. And if you need to rotate three players among two spots, 
then do it with Seal or Stall and Walker. That's right. easy. Well, and and a point about Walker is that I think he could kind of be in that Cal Peterson territory where he is waivable because how many how many teams just have two point six and need a guy like Sean Walker? And I, I think if if you're comfortable with getting him through waivers, and I do think he would clear at that number. I think it makes a lot of sense to try to free up a little bit of NHL ice time for, again, Somebody the Andre else. or the Jinning or like whoever ends up in the rotation. Right now, they, there's I, a couple. There's a couple. I'd rather I'd rather be rotating two young guys through that spot than one if the other one is Sean Walker. True. Now there's two caveats to this because one Walker's right-handed, which you know is an asset. It's fair. And the other part is, and he's tradable. Put, well, the other part is. Kind of, it's, he's going to become the right-handed version of Nick Sealer to an extent, and I'll tell you God. why. Why then? Why? Because your reaction says it all. So, what am I going to say? F- finish it for me, then. Is he is he there to be gritty? No, 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 no. Okay, no, okay. No, okay. But, I was say, what version of Nick Sealer are you talking about? Well, no, no, no it's okay. Are you talking in about the, face punch, Nick Sealer. No, no, no. Okay, not in style. Okay. I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about in a style thing. Okay. I'm talking about okay. his, Nick Sealer played how many games last year? You know, I'm not looking for an exact answer. I'm too, just looking too for many. An okay. Why? Why did it always come back to Nick Sealer's in this line? Because he's fine. And that's Do about you, the best I can give Nick Sealer. Okay, uh, then he I'll was give fine. You the, and no, the other options the were the, offensive. You no, know, the, the, answer, the answer is along those lines, but it's, it's really simple. Because they like him. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, Sean Walker's going to fall into this category of they like him. I know. And I know. Sean Walker has John like, Tortorella written all over him. Well, because Tortorella said something about it. There, you know, the word is that Keith Jones likes him a lot. You know, all right. You know, we'll see. He's he's still a short term for the lineup guy because again, you you took him on with, with Cap. Right. And he's got one year. year left. Right. And that's one, by the way, since he does have one year left, you can trade that and it only uses your retention spot for this but upcoming I, season. But I want you to think about something when it comes to this. And this is this is the this is the conversation that comes up when you have multiple defensemen, young defensemen you want to play in the lineup. If you like Sean Walker, and Walker's gonna have a spot, right? If he's gonna have a spot and Sealer's kind of got a spot, and you know you have these other guys who fit into the picture, like then what'd you go out and sign Mark Stahl for to an extent? I think to Mark's, block some to potentially block somebody. You know what I mean? Like, well, I think Mark Stahl is there as I a, like a rotation I, guy, like a low level I, rotation yeah, guy. I, well, but I, I think he's your eight or nine. Like, oh, I don't think you're going further than eight at one time. So I, I, I think even if you're that. okay, I think even if you're carrying eight, if one guy gets hurt, that's fine. You're seven steps in. If another guy gets hurt, you call somebody up before you put Mark Stahl in. Like, I don't, I well, don't know. They're going to play him. You know, they're going to play yeah, him. Yeah, I know. Probably but, too much. Well, no, I don't know because at least, at least with Stahl, they said, like Tortorella said, he knows he's not going to play. Like, he told him he's not going right. to play every game. Well, and, and the I other don't thing get that is, impression from. Sealer or Walker, you know what and, I mean. And the other thing is, and I still am adjusting my brain to this. If if John Tortorella plays him quote too much, that's probably a good thing because it will lead to the team performing poorly. It's probably well, a good right. Thing. Like, <laughs> well, this is this is the thing, right? Like, Emil Andre, you're gonna t- deal with the give and take of being a young player who's sure. still learning certain things. He had some great moments in that preseason game on Saturday. He had some bad ones. And, right, and he's going to have a learning curve. And he's still, going to have to learn, and, he, and he's going to have to figure it all out. 
but he's right there, and he's a guy you get excited about seeing go through the mistakes. Uh, nobody wants to sit there and watch Mark Stahl make mistakes for 56, 70, you know, 50 to 60 to 70 games a year. Nobody yep. wants to do that. Now, they probably won't have to because if you trade him at the deadline, you've got an answer there. But you know what I mean. If Danny Breer becomes the third straight defenseman to sign a bad defenseman to 5x5, five five, I swear. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think they're thinking that with Mark Stahl. Okay. <laughs> if, if they're really smart about this and they have a year to figure – a few months to figure it out. Let's be real about this. You can get to the deadline with Sealer, Stahl, and Walker all on one-year deals, and potentially be willing to take to trade any any and all of them. Right, just if, and if at that the, point if the kids he, come up and play right, the last. If one the or... minor league season dictates that Zamula is a good fit and Andre has emerged, and maybe Jinning or Adderd is now part of this picture, you could do that with all of them. You know, you really could. The question just becomes. How do you do that in the beginning? Because I don't want, like, I wouldn't want Emil Andre on the Flyers roster this year, even if he's ready for it, if he's just going to sit behind the combination no. of Sealer, Stall, and Walker. Absolutely not. I agree with you. Like, you're, you're already asking that question with Zamula to begin with. I don't even want to have that question if it's with Andre, too. And that's what makes it complicated, because if you carry eight, then what you're saying is, is on any given night, you have to sit two of them. Yep. And are you going to have, you know, the, the mindset to sit two of Sealer, Stahl, and Walker on a nightly basis. And if the answer is no, then don't let a kid make the roster and let it just be Zamula, and then you have two spots that you can figure out and one guy sits. And I think that makes a lot more sense than than the other way around. And that's the hard part because I think Andre's giving him a fight here. Oh, yeah, maybe, absolutely. Maybe more, of a fight, maybe more of a fight than they ant- anticipated, which is why they went out and signed a Mark Stahl. You know, maybe maybe in their heads, Zamula was the only guy. And it's easy to work around that. Like, you needed a guy who, like, yeah, you have a reason to, you know, like, for ben- like it, it, there's a reason that there can be benefits to, hey, Mark Stahl plays next to Igor Zamula for the year. Right. You know what I mean? Or Cam York plays with Sean Walker or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there's a reason that that can work and help kids grow because the kid gets to play every night at least. Right. If you then bring a, an eighth guy into the mix and now you've got three veterans who shouldn't be playing every night and playing three night, and yeah. three kids who should, and maybe they already understand this with York. that's easy. And, and sure, one of the other answers to this is an injury can clear up a lot of this if it happens. Of course. But you don't want guys to get hurt either. No. Like, like at the end of the day – you don't want like Cam York hasn't been able to play for the last couple of days because he's been dealing with a little bit of a nagging injury. Right. You don't want that. You well, don't want that to be the reason that the situation gets cleared up. You want to know the answer. You know, you want to have them play and have somebody else be the reason that it doesn't happen. Sure. And and this season and something I'll be paying attention to as we move through this season is this is our first season with the new leadership, the the collective, the brain trust, right? Sure. Obviously minus Val Camillo, but the you have Working your way up, you have Tortorella, well, you have Briere, you have Jones, you have Dan Hilferty up top. Sure. And Hilferty was there once again um, on Saturday. So this, so. Is, this is the first season with that really fully installed at the start of things. Right. And this season is how, we, how we're going to kind of start to figure out right. how much are they trying to win, like on a night-to-night basis, right? How much influence does Danny Briere have over daily roster decisions, right? How, right. Is, he, is he telling you to play the kids? 
it, these are kind of things that we're going to be seeing as the season goes on, and it'll be interesting to see that that little tug of war, that little sure. rope. Yeah, I will see. I mean, the, the defenseman conversation is a really important one because of the fact that that is that is your ultimate determining factor of what you're trying to do. Because if you're sitting here playing Mark Stahl as much as they could, or playing Nick Sealer over Igor Zamula, for example then you're doing it backwards because yep. then you're sitting here saying that you're not committed to developing the kids as much and you're playing guys who have one-year contracts who aren't part of the future. If you do the right thing and, and, and part of the, like, listen, doing the right thing does not mean that those other guys don't get to play. Sure. It's just, it's it just, just means play the kids. Well, it just means play them in the right situations, which means if you don't, if you're not convinced Emil Andre is an every night player, then send him to the minors. And let him play 25 minutes a night on the top pairing there and build up to that point, you know, instead of bringing him up because you liked his training camp and preseason and making it seem like you're rewarding him by giving him a roster spot and then saying, well, you got stuff to learn. We're going to sit you upstairs. Watch Nick Sealer tonight. That's not solving your problem. So that that's how you're going to know that everybody's really on board. Like even when it comes down to like. The full, back to the forwards for a second. Even when it comes down to Atkinson Couturier for a second, like Sean Couturier is not in a place yet after having not played for two years. Shocker, I know, is not in a place yet where he's number one center material. He's not, he's not going to be playing twenty four minutes a night to start the season, and he it's shouldn't be. So who should? <sighs> the same, the, the same guy as last year. Yep. Noah Cates should get yep. the number one center role, probably to start yeah. with, like. You just need to do the things that are right for the situation, meaning keep going on down that path. Playing Noah Cates the way you did, elevating Owen Tippett at the end of the year and giving him a ton of playing time, getting Tyson Forrester in there and playing him in situations that benefit his game, that's all going to matter. And if Bobby Brink is doing the same thing, then that will matter. But you can't look at the roster at the end of the day and say, we got 13 forwards and the guy who's going to sit is Bobby Brink. Yeah, there's no. It shot. can't be. It can't. Not not consistently. Obviously, we've talked before right. about a guy sitting in the bench or sitting in the box for a game or two, interspersed right. is a good opportunity. You know, see the game. Sure. Different and I'm not going to freak fun. out over like I'm not going to freak out over the first game that that happens for anybody who's younger. No. Or they even if like, or even, even if Morgan there's multiple, even if there's a little bit of a a little bit. I don't right. want to call it a rotation, but even if there's okay. It's your turn to sit, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. And no, it'll but be like, your turn to sit right. again. But like, perfect example is if you if you're carrying thirteen forwards, let's just say, and somebody like you would have to make serious differences to what we had talked about for this. But e- right. But then make Rhett Gardner your thirteenth forward if the intention is that the twelve are going to play every night, and he's there as relief. Right. Let the other guys that. below him go play in the minors and actually if, get. The but if you time. actually are insistent upon like, and that's and that's going to be the complicated part is that management, if management has input on the lineup in the same way Tortorella does, then you need to have the conversations that get you to the point of rotating guys out so that everybody who should play plays, and yeah, that might that might mean rotating guys out like Nick Delorier. Like Garnet Hathaway, potentially. Like, well, I know it's not what Hathaway necessarily signed for, but right. that's what that's, hell. That's the that's hell. the deal, baby. You hell. signed up for a bad team. But hell, maybe one of the answers is you sit out Cam Atkinson for a night while he's kind of getting his feet back under him. Sure, he may not like it, but he's not going to be part of this team in two years. 
you need to play, look, you need to play Atkinson to show that he's got something left in the tank, obviously, if you're going to try to move him. But you also don't need to play him every night to do that. I mean, you had the ability to, like, if you can move a guy like Justin Braun playing 50 games a year, then you can play Cam Atkinson for 50 and rotate him in and out if you want to put sandpaper in your lineup with Delorier Hathaway. Sure. Well, you know? and, and I just took a brief look at the schedule, and obviously this is something we'll talk a little bit more about uh, on next week's season preview show. Sure. Um, but once the Flyers season starts, they play a lot of hockey in October. Like, the first game isn't until the 12th, and they play six or seven games in October. Like, they yeah, start right. jamming them in. Right. I expect Sean Couturier to need at least one or two of those games off, and same with Cam Atkinson. And maybe not off, but games where the expectations are adjusted because oh yeah, those guys are going to be tired. Well, imagine the first time they go to play in a back-to-back, a legitimate back-to-back. Right. Well, and I did look through, and there aren't any in October. So that is good that they have at least a couple of weeks to kind of yes, get their they feet do under have, They do have time. That's true. Right. Correct. Uh, one, one other thing I did want to mention that it may make the roster situation a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you heard the rumors, uh, yes. mostly from uh, Elliot Friedman, that the Flyers may be involved – uh, in a, a transaction with the Ottawa Senators. Um, sure. I've the, heard it. Um, the Ottawa Senators, just to clear it up for people that might sure. not have heard, is the Ottawa Senators need to clear up some room because they are attempting to tra- uh, sign Shane Pinto, um, right. their young third-line center. Uh, he's currently without a contract. He's a restricted free agent. They're currently sitting right around the cap, so they're looking to free up some money. Yep. Uh, the rumored piece coming to Philadelphia would be Matthew Joseph, um, who is about to enter the second year of a four-year deal. So he's got three years left uh, at just a hair under three what? million. Yeah, it's, it's over two. It's um, like 2.95. 2.95. Just a hair okay. under three. All right. Um, and he's a pretty medium player. Um, Kevin, what have you heard? Anything? Um, a lot that's probably much ado about nothing, but um, here's here's kind of where this is at. So the, when this originated, the idea was is that there was possibility of a trade on the table if they couldn't couldn't sign Pinto, right? That they and were going to trade Flyers, him. Well, that they were going to trade him, and that the piece that the Flyers would have to give up would be along the lines of a Morgan Frost type. That was the initial discussion. Ooh, I would do that then, honestly. Well, <laughs> yeah, but then you're getting kind of two, like, of course, of relatively course, of course. similar right. players, and and you just signed Frost. It's, you might it's well a change of scenery it. deal, right. right? It would be, it would be, but I don't know, like. Pinto would fall into the category of another guy who kind of falls more bottom six-ish to an extent, and it's like, okay, you don't need to go out there and do that. You know, I think he'll end up as a really good third line center. Sure, but then you know you're you're still wondering what kind of ceiling Frost has to an extent, and can he build on last season? So I don't know if that ever went too far. Um, then it shifted to about being a salary dump because Ottawa doesn't want to trade Pinto; they right. want to keep him. They so want to be able player. to sign him. So now it came it came a thing about a salary dump. Of which, if Matthew Joseph was going to go to the Flyers in a salary dump type move, the return was going to have to involve also a first round pick or first round equivalent. Man. And the name that I had heard, now listen, you can think of a bunch of first round equivalents, which mean, which, which, now first round equivalent, as I'm sure you've deducted, comes down to basically recent first round pick. Right. Man, now you can I, deduct ooh. some of them. Now there's there's one I would take hands down over the other. Um, he's not available. I, obviously. Right. Hi. <laughs> like so, who is the guy who I would take? Because we know that we know we know a lot of the Ottawa Senators first round picks recently. 
The name is probably Vitaly Abramov, to be honest with you. No, the name that no? I kept, the name that was talked about a little bit, and I don't, I'm not saying this was done in trade conversation, but the name that was floated around, like in terms of what they should look for, was Ridley Gregg. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to say Zach McEwen. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, Ridley. he is in Ottawa. Um, right. no, yes, so, no, R- Ridley Gregg is a great little name. And that is I, the yeah. player that I would sit there and say, oh, yeah, that would, I would target that for sure as a first round equivalent. The name that the Flyers were interested in and the name that was much more likely to be part of this if it came down to it was Tyler Boucher. Okay. Who just happens to be the son of the new Flyers TV broadcast. Just, just happens to be. Just happens to be. <laughs> um, but in all okay. seriousness. The Flyers have never had any nepotism in their organization <laughs> ever, no matter what. No um, matter what anyone way, tells but it, you. But <laughs> beyond that point and beyond the joking, like all joking aside, beyond that, First of all, I don't know if the, you know, the longer it goes, the less likely it is because you're then you're too close to the season. You know, like you're just too close to the start of the regular season to really do something like this. Right. And like, so unless I like truthfully, unless we really hear there's traction by Tuesday. Yeah, you say that. But how how often unless unless this is a deal that happens after, games into the season? Well, I so I wouldn't out like I wouldn't rule it out but they want to get they want to get pinto signed is the thing like they want to get pinto that's why i'm saying yes like that's why i'm saying like i don't think the flyers are sitting like because again if if it was as easy as we'll take on the contract and just give us a first or first round equivalent right if ottawa was fine with it then the deal would have already been done so obviously the first round equivalent thing is probably a sticking point here and and as long as it is then you're on a timeline for this right, because but, you're trying to sign a guy under the under the wire to get him on your roster for the season. Right. Well, and the great news is from the Flyers end of things is they have literally all of the leverage. They have the cap space. They're the ones taking the the asset. Um, Ottawa is the one who has to move the money and sign the player. The Flyers can just kind of hold firm and. If they give you a first-round pick, great. And if not, okay, right. we're good. We're chilling. We're fine. We're going to be bad anyway. <laughs> I know. Um, so, yeah, it kind of works out. I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts about it. But, no, I, sure. I hadn't heard the addition of a, a first-round equivalent. That is – Well, that's what – That it, makes the deal became, pretty enticing. Well, when it became less of a pinto for a player or a prospect kind of thing right. and it became more of a – salary dump move that's when that kind of picked up it gets pretty attractive right and talking about matthew joseph's contract yeah it has three years left at just a shade under three we've talked about the fact that the flyers don't really care for the next two years and then exactly and then that third year the fourth year of the contract total is the last year so it's super movable uh you can eat half if you really need to the salary cap will have gone up by then making the four million dollars kind of a little bit less significant right Overall, should this trade go through, and let's just say it's um, Joseph and a high-end prospect, even if it doesn't end up as a first-round equivalent, even if it ends up as a high-end, you know, whatever. Exactly. That is still just a free asset for the Philadelphia Flyers because they don't need the cap space for the next three years other than to weaponize it via trade. Exactly. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how this, you know, but I would, you know, obviously by the time we do the show next week, you're probably looking at um you know you're probably looking at most of the roster decisions being made 
Yep. It's it's very close at this point. I mean, yep. like and you're you're kind of winding, you know, you're already winding down on a lot of this and you know, two more games to go and Absolutely. we're trying to just trying to figure everything out. So as you're trying to figure everything out, you know, like and speaking of winding down, I think that's a good place for us to wind the show down. Oh, yes. Like, like, like you said, we got we got two preseason games left. Uh, we will be back next week with our full NHL season preview. Uh, we'll have division winners for each division, maybe some playoff matchups. We'll talk about that. We'll have division winners for each division. We'll have a little bit of a breakdown of the Metro where the Flyers are at. Um, we'll kind of play it by ear. And Yep. Other than that, um, check out the show on your social medias. Subscribe on YouTube. Hit the like button, etc. Um, we're at YWT Podcast pretty much everywhere we can be. Uh, find us everywhere you find your podcast, including sportstalkphilly.com. And uh, Kevin, we're we're just like I know I know I said we're back last week, but now we're really kind of just about back. Like we're we're getting there. We got one basically one more week till the season starts. I know, like I know that you're not like a huge social media guy. Yeah. Um, for. For the Twitter post and the Instagram post that I did with, because you saw the one on Facebook of the me saying yeah. I'm back in the box, all that stuff, right? Um, for the other ones though, I did use "We are back," um, <laughs> so because because it just because it just felt like it, I, I that energy was going through me at that moment. It's like, yeah, we're back, and I'm sure like because you could see it, it, it. Obviously, like the picture I take, it shows my credential first, honestly, right. but like, um. The uh, over the top where you can see the rink, you can see the the design, the center ice looking the way that it did. It's you know, it looks good. Tradi- tradition, like like as they say, nature is healing. So, well, tradition the, is very healing. Is the it? double logos back, baby? Double logo, it? the symmetry of Wells Fargo Center. It was it was very nice. It was very nice. And about ten days after this episode releases, we'll have it for real. Oh, I cannot wait. Not quite on home ice yet, but yes. We'll be there soon. For real games, yes. All right. We'll be back next week. Full season preview. Until then, see ya.